and in the coming days. It's what he really intends, but we just get a little bit of a glimpse because God is so indescribable and what he wants to do is so indescribable that sometimes there aren't even words that we can comprehend. But now and again, he gives us a little clue or he gives us a little illustration or he gets us a little symbol of what that's all about. We just get a glimpse of what he's trying to say and what he's trying to convey to us. And this particularly applies to the people of Israel and the promised land. Now, many of you have probably seen the streams of refugees and the migrants that have been walking through Europe, from the south of Europe and uh, through towards the north. There's been a whole stream of people going out. It's like, it's sort of picturesque of the people walking uh, from Egypt into the promised land. They are, they are trying to get to the promised land, wherever that might be. For some, it's Germany. For other people, it might be the UK. But they're out on a walk into the promised land. And I want to share to you something about the journey of the promised land today. We've sung a little bit about it. We've, we've talked about being saved, taken out of slavery. Now, the children of Israel were in slavery in Egypt and so that is symbolic of the slavery that we've been taken out of. We've talked about as well about the, the sea opening up. The Red Sea opened up for the children of Israel to walk through. Symbolic in some way of the baptism. Paul talks about it being symbolic of the water baptism. You know that before that there was the, uh, the Passover lamb. They had to slay a lamb during the Passover feast in Israel. Again, an illustration of Jesus, the Passover lamb. The blood of that lamb was spread over the doors and the frames of the doors so that when the angel of death came, they were taken and saved out of death. We have the blood, we are covered with the blood of Jesus and we are saved and taken out. Symbolic in one picture of something which is even greater in another. We see as well that Moses was given the law by God. And yet Jesus, instead of being the written word which was cast in stone, in tablets of stone, he's the living word. He is the living word. Just again, a symbolic something. He lives within us. It's not written in stone. But God's word is to be written upon our hearts. Again, a symbolism, an illustration. Again, we see the eating of the manna in the wilderness. Jesus is the bread of life. We are to feed on him. Symbols again. We also know about the tabernacle in the desert, in the wilderness. We see later that becomes a temple with David. But again, God's got a picture of us being the temple, of us being the place where God dwells. So we've got the children of Israel on their journey to the promised land. And things can be understood in a variety of different ways. Different people will see different things in different ways. It's like looking at a, a diamond. You can see different facets of it and different understandings, different explanations of all of this. We get glimpses of the same truth. We see a little, but we don't see all of it. And sometimes things are completely beyond our comprehension. God is so big and is so great that we cannot fully understand. 
we cannot comprehend. It doesn't come into our minds because of the bigness and greatness of who God is. If we consider the promised land, to Abraham, it was a promise. But to him, it wasn't real estate. He wasn't going in to conquer a physical land. It was a promise to him. To Moses, it was a place of rest. And if Phil does continue with this mini-series, we'll probably hear about the difficulties if we don't enter into that place of rest in these days, if he continues his studies into Hebrews there. To Joshua, it was a land to possess. And that's what I wanted to concentrate on today, because in Joshua 13 and verse 1, it says this, there is much land to possess. There is much land to possess. And so I want to give an overview this morning of our journey into this promised land. An overview into our journey into that place which is much, much land to possess. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Randolph was leading and he shared with us and he mentioned something which was quite profound really. That God has given us many, many promises, but they remain as promises unless we receive them. We've got to receive those promises. We've got to take hold of them. We've got to possess the promises that God has given us. If we don't do that, they remain as promises. And you can imagine that a lot of things have been promised, but if you've not received them, if you've not possessed them, if you've not taken hold of them, then they're useless. And they're not worth anything at all. By way of illustration to this, some many years ago, uh, Ruth and I were invited to go to a leaders conference at Bury St Edmunds. And we went up there uh, of a Friday. We spent the Friday uh, up there. They were going to continue for the weekend. Um, and we were going to return back to, to Elin uh, on the Friday night. But the speaker was someone called Martin Scott, who I'd never heard of before. And he came up and he was speaking during that day. And he was talking a lot about the promised land. He was talking a lot about the land. And to be quite honest, I didn't understand what he was talking about. It wasn't until later that I came back and I read his book, uh, Sowing Seeds for Revival, that I, I got a glimpse of what that was. But during that day, meeting up with Martin had a profound effect on him. In fact, effect on me. Uh, we, as I said, were leaving that night. We tried to sneak out in the evening, Ruth and I. Uh, everybody else was staying on a bit longer because they were there for the weekend. But we were coming back to Elin, and we tried to sneak out the door and go home. And he stopped us. He grabbed hold of us and said, "I've got to pray for you guys." I mean, we we are nobody really. I mean, we're we're, no, we're nothing special at all. And we were in amongst a group of leaders. And he, before we could get out the door, he prayed for us. And I was in tears. It really had a profound effect on me. He was praying for us, Ruth and I, what was going on in Ealing in the, in the west of London. And it, it really impacted us. And when we came here and when I started starting to share with uh, to Phil, he said to me, I've, Daphne and I have got this, had this prophetic word from Martin Scott. And my heart jumped because... He'd had a, such a profound effect on me. And, and so some of you have seen and some of you have heard that prophetic word. 
And being a prophet, Martin Scott goes on and on and on and on. And you think, what on earth is this all about? And it's, you've probably, you might have seen some of the, the written stuff that's gone out and some of you have shared it. And, but more about that later. As I said, I didn't really understand at the time what this land was all about. But it could be considered as a territory or an area of responsibility or influence that you have. And so, for example, some of you might be, uh, the area of influence you have might be your family or your home. You've got a responsibility for your family or for your home. It could be your place of work. Some of you may feel that God's given you a responsibility or some sort of influence, some sort of uh, call upon your life for a particular place of work where you are. Your neighborhood. It might be your school. It might be somewhere else. It might be your city, it might be the place where you live, your neighbourhood, your town. It could be a territory or an area of responsibility. And about that time, because I was uh, getting more and more involved with, with prayer, and I couldn't, when I woke up in the morning, if I sat down in an armchair to have some quiet prayer and devotions, uh, that within a few minutes I would probably be falling asleep. So rather than try and fall asleep, I decided that I would go out and I would walk around my neighbourhood, my streets around me. And so my neighbours, when they met me, were saying, what are you doing? And I'm saying, I'm praying for the neighbourhood and I'm praying for the area. Uh, and they thought that I was a great man of God. This, we're okay in our neighbourhood. This great man of God is going out and praying for the area and praying for the streets. But I remember going out on one day and walking around the corner and I started looking at the cars that were parked there. And I got very angry about the number of cars that were parked without an up-to-date parking disc. <laughs> so my prayer time was more concerned about why are all these cars parking in my road and my street with an out-of-date parking permit? They shouldn't be here. We don't have to worry about it these days. So, you know, the great man of God, in quotes, was getting quite hungry, angry and upset about tax this on the cars. And God said to me, look, don't bother about that little thing. Why don't you think of something a bit bigger than a tax this? And so as I'm praying and thinking, what on earth is God saying about what is this bigger area that he's talking about? I thought, possibly it might be Acton where I live. But God, if you really pushed me a little bit, then maybe that it would be the Borough of Elin. Just outside, if you really was the extreme, it could be the Borough of Elin. Well, that evening when, uh, uh, when we looked at our emails and we got back home, uh, we received, or particularly Ruth received, because uh, it wasn't anything to do with me at that time, an email from the M25 prayer net. Now, I wasn't involved with that at the moment, but Ruth was linked into it. But they said, look, we're looking for an administrator that would cover the boroughs of Ealin, Hillingdon, and Slough. And we thought, God said, look at a bigger area. Is this something that I should be involved in? And so I thought I ought to respond to this and say that I felt God was saying that he wanted to expand my thinking to something which was a big, bit bigger. It was a bigger area. That has grown and developed a little bit with the uh, 
Global Day of Prayer. I've got involved with West London Prayer, Western North London Prayer. God's always pushing me a little bit more. Uh, and maybe it's even bigger than I think it is. There is much land to possess. That's what I'm saying. God wants us to expand the territory. He wants to expand the areas of influence. He wants to expand our responsibilities that we have. Sometimes, you know, our thinking is too small. I mentioned Phil and Martin's prophecy. He, Martin said something similar to Phil and Daphne. And I'll just I'll read a quote, a little bit of this. This is part of a quite a... a he went on and on and on, didn't he, Daphne, Martin? It's quite a lengthy thing, but this is just a, 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 a little snippet there. This, words, this is for Phil, and we believe that part of this is for us as well here at Hope. I see even in these days to come, there will be a training base there that goes on. And you are going to take subjects and open it up. And this is not just going to be open up for people for your own church, but it's going to be much wider than that. Because God said that you are going to leave a legacy. You're going to leave a legacy. You're going to leave a legacy. This is what I've called you here for. He says, don't simply think of the area, the immediate area. I'm going to give you connections that are beyond the immediate area. And don't be ashamed or embarrassed to shy away from putting things on that draw people in from a wider area. God says, because you're not asking for a name for yourself, I want to give you a legacy in that place that's going to go beyond where you are. So I call for that in the name of Jesus. Don't just think for Greenford. Just don't think for this immediate area. Don't limit me. It was Greenford, North Greenford, whatever it might be at this point in time. Don't limit it to where you are at the moment. There is much land to possess. And I call for it in the name of Jesus. You know, I heard uh, the other day, uh, there's a fellow on uh, the television, TB and the Trinity Broadcasting Network, uh, uh, Angus Buchan. He's a, a South African with a big hat on. You know, you might have seen him on the television, on the free view. Uh, he got invited over to Sweden and a lady said to him over there, will you pray for us in the West? He said, why do you want to pray? And her reason was this. She said, your God is too small. Our God is too small over here. We put him in a matchbox. Pray that we might have a bigger God. And for some of us, our God is so small that we keep him in a matchbox. We're to take possession of this land. There is much land to possess. Moses, when he was telling the people after 40 years in the wilderness, Esther mentioned about the mountain. The people were going round and round the mountain. He said, you've been going round this mountain for far too long. Going round and round and round in circles. So he said to the people, see, I've given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land. God's word through Moses was to say, no, you're to go in and take possession of the land. And again, he says in Deuteronomy 1, 21, see the Lord your God has given you the land. 
Go up and take possession of it. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged to go in and possess the land. It was a promise, it was something that God had promised. But it remained there. Until you go in and possess it, then it doesn't belong to you. It remains as nothing. It remains just as a promise. There's a need to go in. And the Hebrew word there means to take possession or to dispossess. It's used 52 times in, Hebrew, in, um, in Deuteronomy alone. And its essential use is about conquering. God is saying to us, we've got to conquer some things. There's going to be a fight We've got to go in and dispossess the devil. The devil's there to kill and to destroy and to steal. We've got a bit of a battle. We've got a bit of a fight with him. But God is with us. God says we are more than conquerors through him. We've gone on our side. We're more than conquerors. We've got to go in and, and take possession of the land. We've got to go in and claim our inheritance. Inheritance is another word for legacy. Do you see that was in Phil's prophecy? I'm giving you a legacy. Sometimes we, I, I thought, when I read it first of all, I thought that was a legacy that we are to receive. But sometimes it's a legacy that we've got to pass on. And there's a passing on of a legacy, but sometimes we've got to receive it in the first place. We cannot pass it on until we've received it. It's our inheritance. We've got to possess our inheritance. We've got to receive our inheritance. We've got to claim our inheritance. Sometimes when you get inherit something, you've got to claim it. Psalm 37 and verse 20, 34 says this. He will exalt you to inherit the land. The New Living Translation says this. Put your hope in the Lord. Travel steadily along the path. He will honour you by giving you the land. It's a journey. Does that sound familiar? We've got to keep going. We're not going to stop because where we are at the moment is not where God wants us to be. It's a moving on. It's going into the land and taking possession of it. Travelling steadily into our inheritance. Keeping going. Isaiah 57 verse 13 says, But whoever takes refuge in me will inherit the land and possess that holy mountain. Possess that holy mountain. Numbers 13 and 14 talks about going in and exploring uh, Canaan. You see, God gave us something. God's given us something. It's a land of promise. It's a land that he's given us. And that's what it says in Numbers there, Numbers 13. He said, it's a land that I am giving you. It's a gift from God which we've got to receive. He says, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. He, he, the Israelites, the people of God there, knew that God was going to give them. But they were to go in and explore the land. He wants us to enter into our possession. He wants us to enter into our inheritance. You know, some of us have seen a little, and it is a little of this land. 
we've known and we can, we've seen something of that inheritance of what God's given us. And it's terrific. But God says there's more. There's more. There's much land to possess. It's as if we've gone into the land and we've seen what a wonderful place it has. We need to go in and take possession of it. We know that it's good. We know that it's good. Verse 27 of uh, Hebrews 13 says this. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land of which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. And they brought back some of the fruit, a big, huge bundle of grapes or something. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. Milk is symbolic again. It's figurative language for abundance. Milk shows about the abundance. And the honey describes the sweetness, the pleasantness of the place. It was a land of abundance. It was a land of sweetness. It it really refers to a highly desirable location. Jeremiah talks about it as being a beautiful inheritance. It's not some desert wilderness place. It's a beautiful place. It's something which is lovely. It's something which is desirable. It's something which we should be excited about entering into. It's not the desert place where we might be now. They were to enter in. Ten of the spies said, no, we're not going to enter in. Joshua and Caleb said, yes. And they said yes because they found their courage in Jesus or in God at that time. Their courage was in the Lord. Uh, Our courage should be in him as well. Romans says, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, who can be against us? They saw the big things that were there. They saw the giants. They saw the difficulties. And they said, the giants and the people there are too big. They didn't realize that God was bigger than a matchbox. Our God is bigger than the problems. I have a fellow who comes to me for prayer so often, and he's always talking to me about his problems, and he's sort of saying, bringing his big problems to God. What he's saying is, God, do you see how big my problems are? I said to him, why don't you tell your problems what a big God you've got? Why don't you say, problem, what a big God that I've got? Rather than saying, God, can you see what big problems I've got? A lot of them are his own making. The problems were big. But when we focus upon God, we realize that God is even bigger than our problems. Some people say, it doesn't matter what you do or you don't do. God is able to work things out for good. God is able to work all things together for good. And why that is true, it's only partially true. It's partially correct, but it's not the bigger picture. It's not the whole truth. In this particular story, Joshua and Caleb were outnumbered, 10 to 2. And the people were there, they sided on the 
uh, with the other ten and decided they were not going to go into the promised land. They wanted to go back to the slavery in Egypt. They wanted to go back again. We are what we're doing out here in the desert. Egypt is much better than being in a desert place. And they wanted to go back. They wanted to, they rebelled about God. God was livid with them. He was really angry with them. In fact, he would have killed them. He was up for killing them because they wouldn't uh, obey him. And you know, what happens sometimes is that as a father, Father God wants the best for his children. And so often we go for the, that which is good or that which is second best. And we don't enter into the best. And we've got to be careful at times that we don't go for second best. We don't remain where we are when God wants something much bigger and much better and much more beautiful. He wants us to enter into something which was overflowing with milk and honey and good things. God wants the best for his children, but the children decided against it. And sometimes you know when your children are growing up, you want the best for them, but they decide that they want to do their own thing. And as a result, they get into all sorts of difficulties, they go through all sorts of trials and tribulations, and they miss out on God's best for them and what God wanted. And sometimes we, if we're not careful, we can miss out on our inheritance. And if I'd been with Joshua and, and, and Caleb and been one of them, I would have been livid. I would have been a really annoyed. I tell, because the rest of the children of Israel decided they didn't want what God had promised them of her inheritance. And as a result, they weren't going to get their inheritance as well. They were going to miss out on their inheritance. And I would have been livid if I'd been them. So you see, there's not only there is a personal responsibility for us to enter into our inheritance, but there is also a corporate responsibility. There was that corporate dimension. Those that could have gone in and wanted to go in couldn't go in because the corporate decision was made not to go in. And so they missed out. And we as a church might need, not only have we got a personal responsibility to enter into the personal promised land, as it were, that God has given to us. But what are the promises? What is the promised land for us as a church and as a fellowship that we, as a community of God's people, that God wants us to enter into? What is those responsibilities? What is that area of influence? What is that territory? What is that whatever it might be that God wants us to enter into? The thing that struck me about this story, it wasn't the sin of the people of Israel that stopped them going into the promised land. It was unbelief. Deuteronomy 1.32 says, In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God. And so often it's not sin. It's not sin that's the problem that stops us entering into the promised land. God has dealt with sin. Sin has been dealt with on the cross. Sin has been, doesn't, doesn't count anymore. It's unbelief. It's unbelief that we don't enter into the promised land and enter into the fullness. And so we need to beware. God is warning us about the spirit of unbelief, the problems of unbelief. Faith is the opposite of unbelief. And any failure to pay attention to God's warnings may result in a loss of God's best. And this is what Lee 
alluded to again this morning when he was praying for me, that Phil was saying that we can drift away from our promises. We can drift away from those things that have given us. Unbelief can take over and we don't pay attention to what was being said and God's word to us. God has been talking to us. We are hope. Faith, hope and love. We are hope in the middle. One leg is faith. The other leg is love. And we are to walk on the walk of faith and love. And we are to go on that journey. We've got to keep going. We've got to keep moving on. God is saying to us, we've got to move on. The words that we had last week, if we, if we disregard, if we ignore so great a salvation... It's a great salvation. It's a great salvation. It's called the gospel. The gospel is good news. And so often our good news is okay news or mediocre news or it's, it's not bad. You know, it's all right. It's great news. It's good news. It's the best. It's so great, the salvation. And if we miss the greatness of our salvation then we've got to be careful that the warnings that we heard of last week might well apply. It's a matter of walking. It's a matter of running. God's been talking to us about walking with him, of journeying with him, of going on with him. It's a continuity. We don't want to stay where we are. We don't believe that where we are is where we want to be. We don't want to go back to the old ways, that's for certain anyway. We don't want to go back doing church in the, in the ways that's been done in the past. We don't want to be living Christians as we've done in the past and just getting by. We want to enter into, we want to move on to the good things that God's got for us. We want to press in to all that he has for us in these days. But it means pressing in, it means going on. It means we're not going to go back. We don't want to go back to slavery. We don't want to go back to the slavery of being told what to do and how to do it and rules and regulations and all sorts like in the land of Egypt. We've got to move on. We're going to move on, move forwards. We're not going backwards at all. We're moving forwards into all that God wants for us. And this is not just a once-off. It's not just a one thing and then it's over. It's, it's a continual walk with God. It's that continual movement of going on with God. If we don't go on with him, we should be left behind. You picked that up from last week. God's on the move and if we don't go on with him, then we will get behind. We'll be left behind. The sun comes up every day. And God's on the move every day. And we've got to go with him. We've got to travel on. We can't stay where we are. We've, there is a need for movement and an ongoing progression. We can't stand still. Caleb said to the people there, he said, we should go up. The authorized version says, at once and take possession of the land. For we certainly can do it. There's an, there's an urgency there. We've got to go up at once. We can't decide that we'll leave it for a while and maybe we'll do it in a year or two or when I'm a bit older or when I get to a certain age or when something happens. We've got to do it immediately. Cam said we've got to go in immediately into there and take it. There's an urgency which is highlighted here. They decided Eventually, after 40 years of wandering in the desert, they would go into the promised land. 
They were stood by the river Jordan the second time. The Jordan River was in full flood. It wasn't a little trickle. Those of you who have been out to Israel will have seen the River Jordan there. But it was in full flood. And they had to cross over to go into the Promised Land. And the people at that time were told to focus on the Ark of the Covenant. That was the symbol of the presence of God. They were to focus on the Ark of the Covenant. Watch the Ark of the Covenant. Go where the Ark of the Covenant's going because you have never been this way before. And the Ark of the Covenant symbolizing the presence of God is an indication to us. We need to keep our focus upon the presence of God. We've got to see where God is going and go with him. We've got to go in the direction that God is going. What are you doing, God, and how can I be involved with what you're doing? That should be our prayer. That should be our cry. Keep your eyes focused on Jesus and follow him because you've not been this way before. We need to keep our eyes focused on the presence of God. But when Israel moved into the promised land, they could have gone across the river and thought, I'm glad we've arrived. I'm glad we've got through that raging torrent. It, it separated and they were able to walk through on dry land again and they got through. The river came back again. They thought, we've arrived now. We're here. Isn't that fantastic? We've arrived in the promised land. Right, we can settle down there and it's all okay. The first place that they... They stopped that was Jericho. They turned that into a pile of rubble. Not a nice place to stay, really, a pile of rubble. So perhaps, yeah, they had to move on a little bit more. They couldn't stay at Jericho because it was just rubbish. So they went to Ai. That got burnt. So that wasn't a very good place to stay at. But the whole point of it was is that they had to keep moving. God had told Joshua, I will give you every place where you put your foot. If they stayed where they were, they would have only got a little bit. They were told, keep walking, keep moving, keep going. Every place that you put your feet, I'm going to give you. And the same applies to us. We've got to enter into the fullness. We could, we could say, I've arrived. And we could have sat back on our laurels and done nothing. But God's saying... There is much land for you to possess. Some people won't want to move on. And, and, and I accept that some of you want to move on. You think, I'm too tired. I've had a long life. I've, it's been quite a journey that I've been on. I just want to sit here and I want to enjoy what I've got. And I, I can't be bothered about anything else. But because God has given you one place doesn't mean to state that he wants you to stay there and it's not all that you have there's a need to possess more and more of the land God said later as well I will not drive them out this is the people that were already there I will not drive them out in a single year little by little I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land I find that encouragement. There's a, there's a, 
there's going to be an increase. I take that as it's going to be increased. God says you've got to be you've got to be bigger in numbers in order for you to be able to take the the bigness of what I'm going to give you. I just I just find that an encouragement. You might read it slightly different, uh, but I believe that God wants to increase our numbers here. You may remember that uh, Phil shared uh, last week uh, a little bit of where he got his sermon from. And if I can digress a little, and Ruth will be going to say, this is where the digression takes place. We we were up with our son in uh, Manchester a few weeks ago and picked up a a book uh, which we brought back with us. It was called Dialoguing with God. We thought this was a good thing. So we started reading it. And at the very beginning there, it quotes a passage from Habakkuk, which says, I will stand at the watchtower and I will see what God will say. Now, do you find sometimes that things in Scripture don't make sense? I mean, if you'd written it, you wouldn't have written that. You would have said, I will stand and I will hear what God is saying. You don't normally see what God is saying. You, you, you hear what God is saying, but... It says, I will see what God is saying. And so reading this, and I'm thinking, yeah, we've, we've got to, I've got to move from just communicating with God in a natural sense with, by reading the word or listening to people saying. I've got to be, somehow or another, I've got to be seeing what God is saying. And it says in Scripture in Joel, and Peter quoted it at the uh, day of Pentecost, that the old men will have dreams and the, the young men will have visions. So I'm starting to pray for Phil and I, as old men, to have dreams. So I'm saying, show me things in dreams. This is what you've said. Show Phil and I something in dreams, you see. And Lee and you guys don't miss out on this because you'll be getting the visions, you know. You'll be getting the visions, you see. But Phil and I are the dreams. And so when Phil was, uh, met me uh, just over a week ago and said, I've had this dream. I said to him, Phil, I think it's something to do with me. I've been praying for you to have dreams, you see. <laughs> and it was, it was just amazing. You remember the dream about someone falling out of a window? Yeah, we all, things like that. Well, I had a dream last Thursday. And sometimes you have dreams and you wake up in the, in the morning and you know you've had a dream but you can't remember what earth it was about. And usually they're ridiculous things or something silly and you can't make any sense. Well, I had a dream and the dream was something like this, that I was in a, a, a work type environment where everybody was getting uh, reduced in numbers. You know, if you want to reduce a business in numbers, you'd call it restructuring. And you get rid of all the jobs and you reorganize it. Well, this, this sort of restructuring was going on. And I was, I was moving around trying to weave and dive and duck and dive. And, and so I, I, wasn't, I hadn't been noticed sort of thing. I was still there. And suddenly they came across me and said, who are you? And I said, I'm Dave Gatton. They said, you're all right. You're going to stay because you can sing. I thought, isn't that great? You know? <laughs> When I was at another church earlier on, there was a lady there, um, and uh, she liked to sit just in front of me. Um, 
she was a Mrs. Lie, and she liked to sit in front of me because when I sang, I sang over her head. And I'm thinking, yeah, but you know, some people do appreciate my singing. You know, if you go to a wedding and, and no one else is singing the songs, and my voice is usually louder than anybody else's, and they come up to you afterwards and they comment about your singing. Yeah, my singing's pretty good. You know, yeah, that's, that's not, it's not bad being saved, you know, and your job is being saved there because you can sing. And they said, yes, um, we're keeping you because you sing out of tune. Oh, I thought that was not so good. I was, I was being kept there because I was singing out of tune. And then suddenly there was a big chant that came up. Dave Gatting's big team. Dave Gatting's big team. And, you know, what's all this got to do? But it's something to do that there is something about the bigness. There's something about those people who want to know the bigness and going for the bigness of God. And there's something about singing out of tune. Now, when Joshua and Caleb, I got up in the middle of the night, three o'clock in the night, to think, what is this all about? And in the story of Joshua and, <clears throat> and Caleb, they went with these 12 spies into the promised land. And if you go out and if you've got to do that, you've got to come back with a, a report, haven't you? So these people must have got together to do this report. And uh, they probably said... Well, they wouldn't have said it because it's probably a Western expression. We've got to be singing from the same hymn sheet. You've heard that expression? We've all got to be telling the same story when we get back. So they wanted everybody to tell the same story on the way back. So they wanted everybody to sing from the same hymn sheet. See where I'm going? But Caleb and Joshua weren't going to sing from the same hymn sheet. They were singing out of tune from the rest of the people. And God's talking to us as well, or talking to me. You've got to be one of the people. You don't go with the crowd. You don't do things because everybody else is doing it. You're not entering into the masses and whatnot. I want you to be someone who sings out of tune. You've got to be, at times, got to be different. Because like Joshua and Caleb... They were there because they wanted to enter into the promised land. We can go in. We can do it. We've got to take possession of it. You see, there's no press gangs in this. You don't have to go into the promised land. God's not going to force you into the promised land. If you don't want to go, you don't go. He's not going to love you any less. The symbolism of this is that they came out of Egypt. They came out of Egypt, which was slavery. They wandered around in the desert place for a long time. And then they were able to go into the promised land, into the fullness. And we could be people that can wander around in the desert for a long time. There was a TV show some time ago, wasn't it, called The Inbetweeners? I don't remember seeing it at all, but in, you can be in between. You've, you can be a people who come out of slavery but you never entered into the promised land. You, you can be the in-betweeners. And if you want to be the in-betweeners, God bless you. But I don't want to be an in-betweener. I want to grow up and go into the fullness of what God's got. But if you wanted to be an in-betweener, I don't remember God saying to the two tribes, two and a half tribes that stayed on the east side of the Jordan and didn't go into the promised land. He didn't complain about them. 
He didn't get living, I don't recall, or really upset about them. They chose not to enter in. They didn't go in. They stayed where they were. They were happy to stay on the other side of the Jordan. The fighting men went in, and they promised. They promised Moses that they would not discourage the fellow Israelites that wanted to go in. And they would support them to the end. And some of you might not want the new things that God's got. You may not want the promises that God got for you. I'm not, I'm not going to say disregard you at all. I just want to bless you. But there's some of us who do want to move in. And I just want to say to you, if you don't want to move into all that God's given to us or what wants for us, don't discourage us. Don't fight against us. Don't be moaning and groaning. You don't have to take possession of it. God will still love you just the same. But don't discourage others that do want to move in. Joshua says, Choose ye this day who you will serve. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. Let's choose to go in. Let's choose to possess the promised land. And we, sometimes we don't have things because we don't ask for them. And there is a need for us to ask for them sometimes. It's not a matter of sitting around and hoping that God will give us what, we, what, what he's got for us. We've got to ask for it. We've got to possess it. Jesus said, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. And again he says this. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. There's a need for us to ask for our possession. There is a need for us to go in and take possession of it. It needs persistence. We need to keep on knocking, as it were. We need to keep on asking to receive that which God has given us. If he's given us something, you can say, God, you promised us. I just want to receive all that you've promised. It requires perseverance. You remember in the story, those of you who know your scriptures will know that the daughters of Zelophehad did. Uh, they asked Moses to give them the inheritance that their father was owed. Their father had an inheritance in the land, was promised an inheritance, in them, but he died. And they said, look, we may not be the boys who, who normally would get the inheritance. There's no boys in our family. We've got no brothers and sisters. Well, no brothers, we're just the sisters here. Will, will you give us? As the daughter, will you give us our inheritance? They asked Moses for it. If they didn't ask, they wouldn't have got. And Caleb asked Joseph, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. I just love Caleb. Some of you know I'm a mountain man. And if you've been watching the mountain men stories about the Wild West, the mountain men are a bit strange characters at times. Uh, and that's maybe why I'm a bit of a strange character at times. I'm a mountain man. And oh my God, give me this mountain. I may not be able to climb the mountains like I used to because of my health. I might not be able to go up the mountains, but I want to take hold of it. I want to be like Caleb. I want to say, Lord, give me this spiritual mountain that you've promised me. I want to go. I want to be a mountain man. I might be strange. I might be the minority. I might be the, the, the one or twos in the tens and the dozens but I want to be a mountain man. Give me this mountain. I want to be a Caleb. I want... God's looking for people who want their inheritance. He wants people who want to enter in and receive and possess all that God has promised them. And God is seeking people like this, people like Joshua and Caleb, people who want their inheritance and what's been promised them. And they will go in 
and possess the land. So in closing, let me ask this. Why don't you ask God, what is the land? What is the area of responsibility? What is it as he's promised you? What is the influence that you have that he wants to give you? What is the promise that he has for you? It's a promised land. Don't start by asking the world. You could say, I want the whole world. We're going to take this city. You remember the people who say, I'm going to take this city of London for God. And you find that it's, that it's too big. Don't go asking for something which is too big. But be prepared for God to expand that little of where you started. Because it's bigger than you think it is. Start with a small maybe, but be prepared to allow God to expand it. God is much bigger than any of the problems. The children of Israel focused on the problems. God's been saying to us, focus on God. Focus on him. Keep your eyes focused on him and move in to receive what he has promised you. There is much land to possess. God bless you. Okay.